Welcome to ASHTA Resource Q&A. We're taking time to discuss construction materials testing and inspection with people in the know. From exploring testing problems and solutions to laboratory best practices and quality management, we're covering topics important to you. Now, here's our host, Brian Johnson. Welcome to another Frequently Asked Questions episode of ASHTO Resource Q&A. What's our question today, Kim? Well, today we want to talk about which findings or footnotes on my ASHTO Resource Assessment or CCRL inspection report are required to be resolved. Well, required to be resolved is a key phrase there. And the answer is all of them are required to be resolved. However, there is some differentiation that we need to make. On the assessment or inspection report, you have nonconformities and you have observations. So can you explain the difference for our listeners, Brian? Yeah, so a nonconformity is a stated deviation from the standard requirements. So that could be a standard test method, practice, or uh, I guess specification when it comes to the way some of the quality management system standards are documented. So it would be a known deviation from those that represent something that needs to be resolved in order to maintain accreditation. Now, an observation is also a deviation, but it's considered to be something that is relatively minor in that it is highly, highly unlikely to be uh, lead to a serious problem at the laboratory if it's not resolved or not verified to be resolved between now and the next assessment. It also represents some things that could be considered to be ambiguous in a standard, and maybe that's some information for the laboratory to resolve the issue, but it's not something that the ASHTO accreditation program is going to request documentation on the resolution of that observation. So the observation definition is a little wishy-washy, but that's just because it does require some judgment on our part as the assessment provider to say that, hey, we, we think that the laboratory can handle resolving this on their own without us keeping track of them. But it is expected that it gets resolved between now and the next assessment. So if that does not get resolved, it will become a nonconformity on the next assessment. Yeah, that indicates that the corrective actions weren't taken. So when you said they all have to be resolved, that's true. But the nonconformities have to be formally resolved through the accreditation event system and with the ASHTO accreditation program going through that formal procedure of all of that, where observations need to be resolved. However, the laboratory can do that process on their own and technically have until the next assessment or inspection until that comes up again. Right. Yeah. A laboratory should have their own procedure for handling nonconformities, uh, deviations in, in all of their work, whether it be an external assessment, internal audit, customer complaint, whatever it is. So they should be following those procedures all the time. It's just that when it comes to sending us the corrective action and supporting documentation, they don't need to do that unless it's a nonconformity. Now, you can tell if that is the case a few ways. Uh, one way is by looking at the report, and you can see there's a clear definition of what the nonconformity is versus the observation, the way it's laid out in the report. But if you go to the accreditation events where you upload all your corrective actions and your supporting documentation, you can see that only the nonconformities are posted. 
So then there isn't even a place to upload your corrective actions for those observations in our system. Okay. So that's an easy way for laboratories in our system to know which ones need to have the formal interaction between the accreditation program and their laboratory is just what's on our website in the accreditation events. Hey. That's right. And and when it comes to CCRL, I'll get into the CCRL reports a little bit too, because that's a little different. They don't have the nonconformities and observations mm-hmm. like Ashto Resource does. And sometimes a laboratory will see the CCRL report and all the nonconformities that are laid out. And then they'll go to their accreditation events to submit the resolution. And they might find that it's a little different from mm-hmm. what is in the CCRL report. Now, the reason for that is that we don't have an automatic system for those CCRL nonconformities to get loaded into our accreditation events. What we have is our administrative staff working to take those nonconformities, try to streamline them in a way that helps the laboratory reduce some of the administrative effort that could be involved. So you may have eight findings in a CCRL report that are all about the same thing. What our admin staff will do is they'll take those eight findings and try to cram them into one finding so that the laboratory is able to look at that and say, oh, well, I only need one corrective action report for that and one supporting documentation to show that I've resolved that. Uh, so that effort is that effort is made to try to help the laboratory alleviate some of that administrative burden that can come with the accreditation process. And I think it's working out well, other than some laboratories really like to have that one-to-one match between the CCRL report and what's in the accreditation events. And they don't love the shoehorning of those <laughs> findings into one, but I would say that is uh, an anomaly when somebody feels that way. They're typically happy to be able, only able to have to prepare one corrective action report to address one actual concern instead of having to have a bunch of them. So let me give you just one example of where this could come up. Let's say that there is a a calibration report that's missing five different items. Uh, So the date, the technician that performed that calibration, reference to equipment used, detailed results, some things like that. So let's say it's missing that. In a CCRL report, you may have several findings for that where there'd be one finding per item. Uh, well, the corrective action is really that your your calibration record needs to be updated. And you can indicate what you've done to uh, resolve that. And I would say you really want to go back to the root cause. Why did that happen? It could be a lack of review of the requirements as you were preparing that. Could be a number of things, but it's up to the laboratory to really figure out what went wrong. And then they can prepare the corrective action and address all of those points that were missed in one item and then upload one supporting document, which is the updated calibration record. Hopefully those listening can see how that would save them some time and and be a benefit to them. Yeah, I think that definitely makes sense to submit one thing. But then I can also see the other side where you, it, it part of their process is to have a one-for-one thing as well. So I think I can see both, but I, I, I would appreciate this, the streamlining of it. I know I would personally not want to submit a bunch of stuff for that. So Brian, what are some resources we have on our website or anywhere for laboratories that want a little more help resolving some of their um, findings or footnotes? Well, we do have a template that people can use if they're really not sure what they want to include in their own corrective action report. Mm-hmm. Now, now, I will say I do not recommend that laboratories just use that forever. 
Uh, I think that what everybody should do is develop their own. I mean, you can use ours as a starting point, but really think about what is best for your laboratory and whether that suits your needs. And Tracy, our quality manager, and I have been talking about maybe even beefing up that corrective action report template a little bit more to cover other situations that laboratories run into. And so that, that'll that probably be coming down the line sometime either later this year or early next year. But in the meantime, that gives people a good starting off point. It gets them to think about the corrective action process more. For example, one of the items it gets into is immediate action it allows you to define what what you did right away to take care of this. And then it has an area for root cause analysis. And that is to help promote the idea that you really need to get into that root cause if you're if you're truly going to resolve this nonconformity. It mentions quality system improvements and monitoring activities. So those are all things laboratories should be thinking about as they're taking corrective action. Yep. And we also have on our website an article about how to resolve for both CCRL and ASHA resource assessment reports. So I will provide a link to that on our website as well for this episode, but that's a helpful article. I think that kind of walks people through the process a little bit. Yeah, thanks. And, and I think people appreciate that. And I do want to talk about prioritization of mm-hmm. resolving these nonconformities as well. So let's say you get a report and it's got a lot of nonconformities in it and it can, it can feel a little overwhelming at times, but like a lot of, large tasks, it's always good to break it up into small chunks and try to chip away at it. So what I would say is look at that report, think about, you know, go through with a highlighter or or make some notes and figure out how these things are grouped and how you can attack this in an effective way. One other thing to think about is prioritization of those. And I would say start with the big issues first. So if you have nonconformities that are going to affect your entire accreditation, you really want to tackle those first because if you don't resolve those on time, you're going to get your entire accreditation suspended. If there's a, a single nonconformity that only addresses one test method or standard in your accreditation, and maybe you don't even run that test very often, you might want to put that down the list in your priorities and maybe cover that last. And, and let's say if you run out of time and you do get suspended for that one, well, it's not a huge deal to you. It doesn't affect your business that much. So really try to think about what's most critical to you when you plan out your corrective action process. Now, I am going to uh, go against what I said just for one <laughs> one minute, because sometimes there are nonconformities that are both overarching and require you to take care of some things before you get to them, such as you may have had an issue with corrective actions following an internal audit that you haven't taken, or maybe you didn't do your internal audit on time. You also didn't do your management review on time. If you recall or listen to our episode on this issue with internal audits and and, uh, management reviews for first-time labs uh, in the program, you realize that it's always best to do that internal audit before you do the management review. So you may have to, in addition to your prioritization, you may have to also schedule some things out so that it makes sense in the the order that you resolve these things makes sense. Yeah, I think that's really good. And if people kind of skimmed over that, that that's a really great point about how to prioritize your corrective action for that. And I think that might be an interesting episode on its own, but we'll put a pin in that for now. But yeah, I think that's really helpful information that I don't know if we have anywhere on our website now kind of giving that guidance. So 
that's a good tidbit for everybody. Yeah, and, and it's tricky too, because when you think about prioritization of large tasks, a lot of times you want to chip away at the small stuff, get some little victories here and there. And I still recommend peppering those in throughout the process so that you don't feel it continue to feel beat down and overwhelmed if you do have a lot of nonconformities. You may want to um, say resolve one of the test method specific findings while you're working on a big one. And that way you get that victory and feel good about the process. But I'd also say do not get overwhelmed, like try not to get overwhelmed. I can't make you not get overwhelmed. But if you have a lot of nonconformities, just remember that this is a continual improvement process. So it, it's okay. I, I did. I had an interaction with a customer the other day. They reached out to me and they said, "Hey, you know, we've been accredited for a while. Why do I keep getting these nonconformities? Why, you know?" And I could tell that he didn't feel good about it, and he, he was kind of. I don't know if he was at his wit's end, but he he wasn't feeling positive about the process because he's expecting, oh, once I resolve it, it should never come up again. And my response is things change, right? People change, mm-hmm. your staff changes. The assessment one time may have caught something, it may not catch it the next time. Standards change, requirements change. Uh, so you may have been in great shape in 2017 and some things changed between then and now and now led to a nonconformity. But what I would say is that it indicates that there is continual improvement with your monitoring of those changes that can take place. So think about that in your corrective action process. Don't just look at the problem that was identified. You know, something was not done correctly. Well, you have to correct that. But also let's think about the big picture. What led to that being missed this time? Was it a process improvement that you could make? I don't know. There's lots of possibilities. We can't get into all of them now, but I just want you to try to think about that big picture and, and don't don't feel bad about your laboratory's quality when you're making continual improvements. It is an ongoing journey through life that we're all taking <laughs> together and try to have a positive view on it as you go through it. That was great. Thank you, Brian. I think that wraps it up. I think that answers all of the questions for this episode on which findings and footnotes to resolve. Yeah, thanks. And I'd say if anybody has any questions about that uh, on a specific report that they have, we have designated quality analysts that are assigned to each one of those assessment reports. And if you say, hey, what's going to happen if I can't get to this one thing on time? They'll tell you. They know what the rules are. They'll say exactly what's going to happen. The one thing I would say, don't say that you need an extension because you're too busy. That's <laughs> That doesn't fly. Everyone's very busy. We, re- we realize that. And you, you have you have some requirements. Now, the, the one thing that helps, though, is the 60-90 day time frame has been extremely helpful for people. You want to get those corrective actions in as soon as possible. But if you have some lingering issues and you've addressed your corrective action in the first 60 days, you will get some time to take care of those. So don't stress. Do your best. And if you have questions, reach out to your quality analyst. Thanks for listening to Ashto Resource Q&A. If you'd like to be a guest or just submit a question, send us an email at podcast at ashtoresource.org or call Brian at 240-436-4820. For other news and related content, check out Ashto Resource's Twitter feed or go to ashtoresource.org. 